Merkel Media. Welcome back to another motherfucking episode of Kill the Mockingbirds. I'm your host, Sean Chris, right on the top with that Gatling gun. I got rid of the Gatling gun, baby. I am on top. I got a missile launcher, and it's ready to go. Brat, brat, we're going off today, baby. Oh, my God, I got my homeboy, Christian Roper, in the house. And if you guys don't know who he is, he and I actually work together for Merkle Media, and we travel around hunting down cryptids and all kinds of weird shit. What's up, Christian? How you doing? I am doing all right. I don't know how to follow that up. I don't. I don't have that energy right now. <laughs> it's one of the more interesting podcast uh, intros I think I've been a part of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's different every time. Nobody knows where it's gonna go. <laughs> yeah, we, even we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man. Tell 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 everybody about you. You know what you do. Um, I, I already told them a little bit. They, they, I bring your name up a lot, though, on the podcast, so they kind of know a little bit about you. But, you know, l- let them know, you know, who you are, what you've done, what you are doing, and, you know, then we're getting to okay. the juice. So whatever you've mentioned about me on the podcast, whoever's listening, please don't believe it. No. <laughs> so my name is Christian Roper. I am um, – I call myself – an expedition filmmaker. I had some experiences as a kid that led me into filmmaking. I had some paranormal experiences that led me to asking for a camera. I wanted to capture all these things. I wanted to prove to my friends. I had a, not a, you know, disconnected childhood, but it was one of those things. If my reality is different than my friends, how could I, you know, have social relationships with a lot of these people? So in my mind, Mm -hmm. I wanted to prove that all these things existed. I wanted to show that there are things out there that I was seeing. And that led me to filmmaking. And you and I met this last year chasing a, uh, a dogman experience, chasing a dogman story. Yeah. And I think you and I are of the same vein to where if you get asked if you want to go to Kentucky and, and hunt a werewolf, we're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. And it's for, it's for two different reasons. You wanted to shoot something and bring it home. I wanted to be able in 50 years to tell, you know, family members to tell friends, yeah, 50 years ago I did this really weird thing and no one else can say that they were part of that experience except for a small group of people. So that's kind of what has defined um, all the projects I've been doing the last few years. Yeah, man, that's... It was a wild, wild situation when we went to Kentucky together. And matter of fact, you and I had a very interesting experience together that nobody else had. And we saw something that, you know, to this day, neither of us can really quite, you know, comprehend. I mean, we're still trying to figure it out. I don't think we'll ever exactly figure it out. But, you know, the theories will keep gestating and and, and growing. Yeah. Do you want to? 
riff off of that since I, I mean, yeah, let's I don't go. Know let's if go ahead and talk. Two of us it. had ever talked about that experience together, but it was when we were out with the subject of the film. There's this guy named Kyle from the Confessionals podcast, episode 335. He ends up having this insane nighttime encounter. He had it two times in his life, but we, we did it based off of this one encounter where this thing attacked his dogs and then went after him. And going out there, you know, I, I've got a lot of skepticism about, I mean, I shoot films for a living. I know how stories are exaggerated, how things are stretched. Um, but that experience is when I think both of us started to question some things, uh, mm -hmm. whether it was related to that experience or not. That was my first time spending any sort of uh, long period of time in Appalachia. And I mean, for example, that, that area that we were in, there were a hundred plus years of sightings of this thing that they called Slewfoot. This guy's entire family, he was like a third or fourth generation member that had seen this thing. And all of a sudden we're out there, we see how remote it is. Like you saw the, the state of some of the neighborhoods, you saw... We always joke about how Kyle talked about things being just down the road. Where we were, <laughs> down the road, be like twenty miles. It, it away. was about a forty-minute drive to the to the next stop sign, and we thought, okay, no wonder none of these stories get out. So, how many towns are just like this where they are experiencing something? No one's ever going to believe them simply because there's that disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, but we were walking down. There's a six-mile hike into where he had his experience. And of course, in classic Kyle fashion, this experience is just down the road. When the gate's locked, we can't drive out there. <laughs> so it's six miles in. We take that, that fork. We don't even go the side of his experience. We take that fork. And it was just when we were breaking to like have some snacks, eat lunch, the three guys were going up the hillside you're in front of me. I, I vividly remember you have your gun right there. I feel like in a Jurassic Park mm -hmm. movie. You're up there on patrol. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful forests, trees all around us. I'm watching these guys do the ugliest, most unathletic bear crawls up the side of this hillside. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some noise going on to my right. I look over. Here's some rustling to my left, but it's loud. Stuff cracking. I look over. Tops of the trees are swaying. And I go, huh, that's funny. Probably one or two seconds of one or two seconds of silence right there. And then this specific grouping of trees, like two or three, four max, just start violently swinging. And I see it from the very top. And it reminded me of growing up in East Texas when hurricanes would run through the Gulf Coast and you'd have all these pine trees just sway back and forth with just the immense power of the wind. And I go, something's not clicking here. It, the reptilian side of, of my brain was saying, like, you need to look at this <laughs> because this is noteworthy. None of the other trees are moving. Yeah. There's no wind on us. No. There's nothing I, my first thought is, okay, someone's logging back there. It just sways. 
and then I watch it. It goes from the top of the ridge. It's like the power transfers from this back row of trees to the middle row of trees to the front row of trees. And then as soon as it's about to get you, you were, I mean, just a few feet back from this, this tree line. My mind's in that Jurassic Park movie. I think that something is charging you. I, I think I said on the film, my first thought was an elephant is about to come out of the woods and, and you're done <laughs> yeah. for. Like, you know, you've got, a, you've got a big gun, but whatever this is, you're done for. It comes to the front. I don't see anything moving in the tops of the, in the, tops of the trees. It rushes to the front. I hear it. I see it. As it's about to come out, whatever this big thing is, there's nothing. And I know you saw it. Yeah, it's like it's just You stopped. freak out. You, you hold your gun pretty tight. I can't form words. I'm trying to snap and whistle to the guys behind me that they should probably yeah. see you get eaten. I, you know, not a good look. <laughs> if, if I'm the only one that knows what At happened. least get, it, yeah, I want get some, that footage. When, I, when I'm interrogated <laughs> by officers, I want some backup that... You know, you really did get attacked. <laughs> um, and then I, I run up to you. Both of us were not thinking in the moment. We said, let's go after it. We wanted to go straight up at it. But the hillside was so, I mean, it was dense brush. It was straight up. It took Ward 10 minutes to get to that first tree, like in, in the second level that was probably 50 feet back. Nothing. And then yeah. you said you saw it too, but you saw it from the ground level. And then, yeah, it was different for me, Christian, because yeah. when I'm looking at it, I, I'm further up, so I'm looking at big trees from the bottom. Shake. They shouldn't do that. Like they they shouldn't bend like that, and they shouldn't move like that at all. You know that you could always, you know, when you're looking at the top of trees, you could see them doing it, like they in your head. You know, you could see swaying there. No, this was like from the bottom all the way to the top. So he's just got a different vantage point than I did. He's looking at the top line of the trees, whereas I'm looking at like the middle to the bottom. And I'm seeing this shaking. So when he's looking off to the side at them, that's when I see the first shake. And that's when it just really throws me off. I'm like, man, well, what am I seeing here? And I turn around and I'm really thankful that you were there because uh, it, it at least gave me some sort of validation because when I look back at Christian and I hear it again, I turn back around, we're both seeing it. <laughs> and that's when it's like, oh, man. And we always joke because, like, Tony never sees anything. He's, like, always, like, not right around when something happens. It just inevitably always happens. So, like, no matter what it is, this is the first time. And we won't talk about the other times because some of that stuff will show up in the in the future film. But, yeah, it's uh, – it, it – it, it was crazy. And, and like you said, I mean, in the heat of the moment, we're ready to chase this thing down. He's, you know, running behind me with the camera. I've got a shotgun and we're going up that way. And, you know, some weird stuff happened on the way up there. It felt real heavy. I felt like in some, in some, and I don't know how you exactly felt, Chris. I don't know if we've ever like really talked this through, but I know for me, it almost felt like that feeling of like you're in the water and you're like trying to walk in it. And I almost felt like my body was suppressed in some ways when I was walking up that way and around the hill. Like, I don't know if you felt that, but that's how heavy I felt at the time. Um, I don't, I don't remember feeling anything strange about it. I know when we walked back there, it got incredibly silent. Uh, we didn't yeah. hear anything back in there. Um, yeah, the, the, 
thing is, I saw it through that circle in the trees, and I was just trying to come to terms with it. I was like, did a the the thing that my mind was putting together is like if a group of gorillas were swinging through Kentucky, that's exactly what it would do to those trees. <laughs> if it was like three gorillas on a yeah. tree at a time, and then they just vanish, and it makes no sense. This is one of those things I've experienced a lot of things, and this is one of those things I almost don't like to talk about because what do you relate it to? Yeah, it's nothing. I don't know. We're always grasping and digging for what it could be. And I'll be honest with you, I to this day, I don't know. Because we went up there. I went up there to the trees, too, when we got back. And just so anybody knows that's listening, there was no logging equipment. There wasn't anything like that up there. We would have seen it, would have heard it. It's it's not that. I know people always like to go, oh, you know that video? That was logging equipment. It was dragging yeah. trees. Like, no. No, that stuff was up there. And, you know, I, you know, Ward's got some good ideas about it being, you know, Faye related. You know, I, I think, you know, especially after meeting uh, Ron Moorhead and him talking about quantum Bigfoot, you know, I've kind of, I, I lended that a little bit only because I saw that TP structure deep in the woods later um, that I think Bigfoot. But here's the thing, Christian, it could have been multiple things in that area because that area just seemed like a, uh, like it was a uh, magnet for the weird or paranormal yeah. or I mean, the Kentucky meat shower happened within miles of right there. If you've, if you've ever, yeah, you ever heard yeah. of that, Sean? No. Nah. Kentucky meat shower? Uh-uh. Tell him about the Kentucky meat shower. This so is wild. I'm not exactly sure the year. This would have been 1890s or the early, probably first decade of the 1900s. Uh, actually, the, the main subject of this film, the guy that we were calling Kyle, it was his, I believe, great-great-grandmother that was like the main witness of this event where this meat just fell <laughs> into this field. And it was, I mean, within, it's not like it was spread out everywhere. It was a small yeah. area that all this just rotting meat fell into this field. From and the sky. There's local universities that have uh, like samples of this and they thought it was horse. But the th- like the two main theories on this that it could be is there was a mining accident and these guys, you know, there was dismemberment and bodies blown or like explosives yeah, and, and involved no or something to match yeah. with that. And they were they happened to be yeah, yeah, blown yeah. into this very small diameter in the field. Yeah. And right now the prevailing scientific theory is that it was buzzards flying over, and they just happened to throw up mm. in a group at the same time. Which could be. I mean, I don't ever doubt anything. It could be, but that's a pretty uh, uh, like that's like one of those <laughs> one in a million shots. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's just that area. And things we- will happen, and they aren't necessarily tied to anything paranormal at first. But good luck finding an explanation for it. We had the same thing happened in Utah with I won't say too much, but there was something that was moved, and there's no physical way that you can move something like that. There's no like known paranormal um, storyline. Or logical way to explain it, right? Like there's stuff that's happening that we can't logically – like you said, like sometimes it could be like – and don't don't get me wrong. I do that stuff like you're like, all right, man. And I'm sure you guys do it too. 
this and this was there. This is what you got wrong. But when you can't explain it, when you're like, there's absolutely like, like you're like, I don't know, man. And when you guys were talking about that tree, it's funny because a couple of days ago, one of my buddies sent me this uh, video. I think it's been circular. I saw it before, but I had seen it a while. And it's like this tree, like they're on like this lake or something. And they're filming this tree that just keeps like appearing and reappearing. It's hard to tell if it's like, but it looks like I'll send it to you guys. It's like reappearing and appearing and it's trippy. And it kind of reminds me of what you guys were talking about. Like, that's what I thought of. Like when I saw it, I thought about you, Joel. I was like, oh man, remember when you were saying that? And it kind of reminded me if you guys were seeing something else, like, you know what I mean? Like, cause it could be more than what you guys think. Like if it was changing or kind of like shape shifting ish or like, who knows if you guys were in like another portal, like, you know, a little time zone, a little, uh, a time lapse, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's quite possible. So it's going to look totally different because if it's something that we can't conceive, like that we've never seen before and we can't explain it, you're like, well, this isn't there. This wasn't there. This wasn't there. It's hard to like put a, a tag on it. You're like, I don't know, man. Like it's a, a thing I just experienced and I can't match it to any other experience in my life. <laughs> yeah. If we would have heard a vocalization or if, Bigfoot walked out and went toe to toe with Joel. Yeah, I would have felt so much better because even if that's more <laughs> unbelievable than saying, "Hey, some trees move," he's like, "I'd have felt better if your arms." Yeah, were he's like, "If Bigfoot came down and ripped your head off, it would have been so much better." If, he's like, "I wouldn't. At least I would have known. I would. I would have known. This is one of these things. In fifty years, I will be sitting there thinking, I have no clue what happened to me.'" Oh, man. Joel's cool with that as long as it's on film, though. He's like, hey, don't get decapitated with Bigfoot without You better get that on film. Because he's like, I'm not going to get decapitated. I'm okay with dying. (laughs) I'm okay with it. Like, you know, to me, that's the ultimate way to go. If I jump in a portal (laughs) or if Dogman got me or something unexplained, you know, I got, like, you know, lifted off by a UFO and never returned. Like, I'm okay with all that. Like, that's just fine with me. Um, but it's not okay if it's not on film yeah. or we don't know about it. All for nothing. <laughs> then I did it for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, to that point, though, Christian, today, and by the time the listeners hear yep. it, it'll be about a week from now, but today, Expedition Dog Man, the documentary just hit Amazon Prime. And I just want everyone to know it's up for rent. It's up for purchase. You can go to Amazon Prime. Just type in Expedition Dogman and you can watch everything we just talked about more. So you're going to you're going to see our first trip with Merkel Media and, and what we did there. And the ending does lead into what we're going to release here soon, too. And so people know uh, Christian, uh, directs, he edits, uh, he puts together these films. So he is dangerously close. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way to finishing, uh, the first cut for the Skinwalker film that we have coming out. And I've seen a little bit, I've seen the first trailer. Uh, you guys are going to be blown to bits when this comes out, but for right now, you can go to Amazon Prime and watch Expedition Dogman. But if you'd like, Christian, you can talk a little bit about Utah, just not too much. And five <laughs> stars and leave a review, man, right? You know?
what I'm saying? Yeah. Get, get that five stars and a review, just like you do for review. our show. <laughs> you know what I mean? It costs nothing to review. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want me to go into Utah? Yeah. Well, what you can, okay. you know. Yeah, what you <laughs> can. Just talk about, you know, what your process is putting together the film and just, you know, let people know how crazy okay. it's going to be. So most of us are probably aware of, of Skinwalker Ranch. I mean, yep. that was a story I ended up reading in a book probably in the early 2000s. Um, it was a compilation of, like, based in real life scary stories. It had... Uh, uh, oh, what's the name of that house? I don't. It had a bunch of haunted houses, a bunch of you know scary attractions in the U.S. One of these was Skinwalker Ranch, and for some reason, that was really compelling to me. This idea of native spiritualism being tied into the paranormal. I grew up in an area of Texas <clears throat> with um, lots of burial mounds, and so I had been around a lot of stuff. Yeah, everyone in East Texas that I knew, all these family friends were into the paranormal. Uh, they all had experiences. They were all doing things like investigating, going out, um, trying to get EVPs, photos. I was just immersed in this stuff when I was younger. And it was all centered around these burial mounds. These are where the lights would show up. These are where you would get, you know, strange voices. All centered around burial mounds. So when... I heard this story of this ranch in Utah where all this stuff was centered around a native perspective and this idea of curses, cursed land. I thought that was really interesting. Um, it's not really until recently that a lot of the extraterrestrial stuff with the ranch has been pushed, um, at least what I've been familiar with throughout my early childhood up until the last few years. Um, was, it was all about the, the Ute perspective of what was going on. And I was familiar with skinwalkers. Uh, not a lot of people know, but it's not particularly a unique concept. I mean, you look at every single uh, civilization, basically they've got stories of dark witchcraft, shape-shifting. Um, I grew up with a lot of Mexican folklore in my family. And these things called nahuales, which are kind of spirit animals. There's positive and negative sides to these things. And there are a lot of stories that, you know, people could shapeshift into particularly jaguars, owls, um, uh, wolves. There's a definite, from an anth anthropological perspective, there's a definite movement of this idea north into the United States. And so I was really interested by this idea of shapeshifters, curses. So when I get a call from Tony asking if I want to go next door, I say yes. After what happened to us in Kentucky, <laughs> let's do it. And I thought that was a really interesting point oh, yeah. because although the Sherman Ranch, Skinwalker Ranch, has this huge reputation behind it, how often do you hear about what happens next door? If all this stuff is going on, why would it be confined right. by a barbed wire fence? And, and that was our perspective going into this is there's nothing too special about that place. If everything happens around it, that it, at times is even crazier. I mean, we saw things that in terms of evidence, tangible evidence, maybe more than the Sherman ranch has ever produced publicly. Like we don't know what NIDS or OSAP actually got in terms of tangible evidence. 
They'll um, never tell us. They'll keep all yeah, that hidden. There's, I, there's just so much weird stuff about it. I mean, the they were using the ranch to try to further like remote viewing capabilities. They were using the ranch to study cattle mutilations. Mm. They were doing all kinds of stuff. I've got, you know, some very set views on cattle mutilations I, right now. I won't necessarily go into um, until our, our next docuseries, but just an, a multitude of stories coming from this ranch. So when we find out there are abduction stories that led to the ranch next door being purchased because this guy was looking for answers. In my mind, I'm going, okay, this is an incredible story. I really want to follow this up. And do you remember why that he was able to buy it from the original owner? What happened to the original? Uh, owner? Yeah. So the, the, you can, you can go into the story. You probably know it better than I do. Um, I know I do it just because of what they told me, but the story is that I was told the original owner of this property that we were on, Sean, dude, I have never told you this. He came outside and three dogmen came over a fence after him and he shot at them and it went through them and they kept coming. Oh, man. So he sold the property right yeah, after that. Yeah, he was that. like, I'm done, man. Nah, man. <laughs> I don't need this shit. He, he, he did the uh, the Murtaugh from uh, Lethal Weapon. Getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we went there, guys. We got a lot of good shit on camera. But, yeah, it's it's wild there, man. It, was it really is. But uh, Everything you yeah, hear in the media about Skinwalker Ranch is they're out there looking for UFOs. They're trying to find something mm-hmm. above them. And everything out there that we experienced, it was like, People need to be looking down instead of up to get any sort of answers with this mm. place. Um, yeah, you mentioned baby. the guy. I mean, kind of. You mentioned the guy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the guy out there who, who had fired on these things. He's not alone in, in seeing those in that specific area. Like one of our guides that we talked about to the Ute tribe, yeah. this specific area, like right where we were camping, he said we were at what they what we would say in english as the doorway to hell and that's where we chose to camp and we said oh you know you could have told us that earlier uh before we set up our tent right here <laughs> uh, but all this we probably would have done it anyway christian i know yeah, us. <laughs> all this crazy stuff was happening in, doorway to hell in yes. this one spot <laughs> i mean like you know where the the object was there were multiple things happened within a 10 foot radius of this single spot on his property. We saw Uh one night uh, that wasn't the only event where things were fired upon on that ranch. We saw a trailer, um, I believe on our final night out there where a previous owner had fired on something that appeared inside the trailer and there were bullet holes in the side of this, in this mobile home. Yeah. What, What, it appeared in a trailer, Damn, Sean. Man. Like, it didn't come in it, but it was it appeared inside The weird of it. thing <laughs> is, I cannot stress enough how, how many people in this area saw the exact same thing. And it was, it was yeah. the, the shadow mm. people. 
everyone south of the ranch was seeing these shadow people and some people had connected it to certain activities that were going on in the area that the film is going to dive into. They connected it A to B. Because of this, some of them were there before the Sherman Ranch ever became famous um, and before these activities started going on. And they have connected this did not, this activity of us hearing stuff inside the house. One woman said like she saw demonic stuff inside the house. She had photos of it. Um, None of it happened until after this activity started. And so that was a theory we pursued. We showed up, uh, Joel got there a day after we did, um, myself and and Mm -hmm. producer, a guy named Joseph Granda. And like, Within hours, I think we were all confused because we were like, hey, that's not the the mainstream activity that we've heard about Skinwalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. Just the amount of shadow people, demonic stuff. Everyone kind of talks about it in a more positive light. These orbs, light beings, UFO visitations, whatever. And south of the ranch, it's like these people were plagued with demonic stuff freaked out about it and they said none of this happened until this certain activity started and so that's the direction we chose with this we went to that coffee shop and we're talking and we said we've never heard any of this before this is the direction we should run with it and it just happened to tie in very well with the native spiritualism in the area which i thought was very interesting going into this i had just come back from central america i went to guatemala for a time and spent a lot of time with the Maya down there. And I actually had a UFO sighting over a place called Lake Atilan. And mm. it was, there's a story that I go into in the documentary. Here's a teaser of a, of a specific scene in there. But there's a story I talk about um, being on the lake. And it was really hard to find anyone that spoke Spanish, much like much less English. A lot of these people spoke Mayan dialects. But if I ever found anyone who spoke Spanish, I would always ask them if they've ever seen anything paranormal. I've heard rumblings in that area. I was down there trying to document stories of uh, what they call the Mayan Atlantis. There's a, stories of a lost city mm. of gold right there. There, there was some seismic activity. This thing was oh, lost. Boy, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yes, ten days before I arrive, I found out they found pottery at the bottom of this lake, which seems to verify that there was some city there. And that's a hmm. story in itself. But I had this UFO experience. And that morning, I had asked a guy if he had seen anything paranormal, and he told me about these white lights. And he goes into this Mayan... Uh, their explanation for these lights. They would come, they would peer over the lake. Sometimes they would be still. Sometimes they would be moving. And he says... You know, I'm not a I'm not a scientist. It's not my job to study, but to us Maya, our explanation for this is these are our ancient shape shifting kings. These are the ones who came down to us and gave us knowledge. I was right next to the Mayan ruins called Tikal, and there's a belief there that whoever gave this knowledge to Tikal, you know, comes back to look for the ancient city. And I was like, you know, this is a really beautiful way. To live, not wanting to explain what nuts and bolts comprise those lights that you see, but attaching it to your stories, attaching it to your folklore. Mm-hmm. And that's what I went into Utah with. I wanted to know what does the Ute tribe have to say about this? Everything about Skinwalker Ranch we hear is 
scientists. They try to bottle whatever it is out there. They try to explain it, catch it. Um, but you don't hear a lot about the spiritualism. And in terms of the Ute tribe and the natives that have been in the area documenting all this orally, how does 20 years of scientific investigation compared to a thousand, of, a thousand yeah. years, 2,000 years of walking among something, you know, who would have the more fleshed out answers right. on what something is? And that's what we want to do. You know, the, none of us are scientists. I'd hate to see Joel with test tubes and <laughs> trying to do things out there. That would not have gone well. But we went out there and we said... A little chemistry we, kit. He's like... <laughs> yeah. We went out there and we said... We want to dive into the tribal perspective. And I think we all loved it so much. And the the tribe, oh, yeah. the members that we spoke to were so appreciative because, you know, they tell us, you know, all these white people come in and, you know, we just feel pushed aside. You know, we are the token story that you need when you need something spooky. No one ever yeah. dives into our folklore. No one wants to listen to our history. Yeah, they didn't take them serious. People don't take them serious at all. I now I will say this though, Christian. I think what they're government wise, what's going on there, and that's the undercurrent that's going on at Skinwalker and all these places, you know, I think they are very invested with what is going on with that. Now they may pre present it in a way that's scientific and, and discredit them. But I, I absolutely think they take a lot of what they say very and, seriously. I just don't think that they're going to And I think that like a lot of the that. people that uh, else go there, it's like whether you just put on plain surface, they're specifically looking for like uh, whatever agenda they have. You guys are going like, hey, man, let's see what that – let's talk to the people. Let's get the roots. Let's get to like what's really going on instead of like, hey, we're trying to find this. And we're trying to prove this specific, one specific thing where you guys are like, man, we're open to whatever's going on. Let's just see what the hell is going on over here for ourselves. And I think that makes such more for a better film. Because instead of like, oh, we're going to go and test this and put the, uh, see if the gravel if the, is this kind of, no, we want to see what's really going on, what the people really think. And you guys did that. And you get a feel and a sense and it's genuineness. You know what I mean? It's not like some, like, like I always talk shit, you know, and then when Ward was on here, I was saying the same thing about like the history, some of the history channel stuff that you see, you know, when they try to approach that, you were like every five minutes, they were like, oh, this thing's going to happen. Hold on. We got to go to commercial. And you're like, man, nothing I, like I, I watched like <laughs> 10 episodes and I feel like I learned nothing. I figured out nothing new, like that. I couldn't just go search online and, and just like read about it. Now I'm getting like a going to get a vibe off of people that like you said, thousands of years experiencing this and and, and put into a perspective that's totally different than like, oh, this is happening. And, and you guys aren't even trying to necessarily explain it. You're just like, man, here's the story, man. I don't really know because there's so much going on there. You know what I mean? And honestly, two things. They were super thankful that we brought them in um, to not only ask questions, but we took them seriously. Like we didn't you know, you know how people you if you're listening to somebody, you don't really buy what they're saying. You're just kind of like, OK, maybe this would make for a good film. That's not how we did this. Like we connected with the people that we talked to. Um, they did have some great stories. Don't get me wrong, but it pointed us in the right direction of things we were looking for. And it started tying some threads together. And it brings me to my second point where I feel like the film ties a lot of threads together mm -hmm. on all fronts. It's not just 
you know, yeah, we went in there and it's going to be from a native perspective, you know, at the at the foundation. But there were so many things that happened on that trip that when we left that it was like it's what we always say on the show, Sean, that we try to connect everything, the paranormal government conspiracies ufos it's all a part of the same thing they they're, they're all connected they're all it's all working together so i know christian is is wholeheartedly about that as well yeah it's a place where no matter what your truth is you can find it mm. if you're convinced this is mm. you know the the waypoint as they describe it or beings from some far off planet coming to earth do they all go through this you know, intergalactic gas station, this four-way stop above Skinwalker Ranch, <laughs> above the Uinta Basin. <laughs> then you can find the science, you know, they're, they're shining lasers up in the sky and seeing them refract. You know, they, they don't have any great answers for that. If you think it's based on, you know, a native curse, you've, you find your truth for that and you can choose to ignore everything else but it's one of those places where no matter what you believe you'll find the truth for it and i think it's rife with a lot of disinformation and that is for a good purpose because mm -hmm. if there is anything that wants to be kept under wraps what you would want to do is flood your information market with so much just information it's impossible to weed through tell what's accurate mm -hmm. what's even real um and then you separate the categories and make them like compete with each other. So one is kind of like yeah. wiping out the other constantly. You're not getting to see the whole view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, everything was so clear cut in this for us. We said, we don't have to worry about even diving into Skinwalker Ranch, trying to explain that. People have already made, made up their minds about that. But what happens next door? What are you going to think if what has happened next door is completely different than what has always mm -hmm. been told about Skinwalker Ranch? What happens if the next door neighbor to Skinwalker Ranch has abduction experiences? What happens if they are a complete non-believer, which we encountered on, on certain sides of the ranch? You know, how does that, how does all that stuff happen and a neighbor ends up a non-believer? You know, how do you mold your view of the paranormal if that's the case? Um, and I think there are two types of documentary filmmaking. One is, uh, objective, you know, how many, how much of this can be completely factually accurate, hard to do unless it's documentary on the history of basketball, documentary yeah. on, on jazz music. Yeah. <laughs> this is, let's find someone's truth and let's follow that as far as we can go. And it is very you know, A to B to C, sometimes they'll say, we had this happen. This can be corroborated by a neighbor across the street. You should go talk to that neighbor. Okay, we did. This neighbor will then give us another lead. We, whatever they believed in, we were completely there for. And we said, let's follow this as far as it can go. We had stuff come to us that week. We had experiences we can't explain. We saw stuff in the sky. Um, we saw stuff that almost bolstered the native spiritualism side of things. We saw ritualistic mm -hmm. stuff that we sent to experts that, and couldn't even get that identified. Um, it's just weirdness. 
I think there's natural phenomena going on. I think it's uh, electromagnetic anomalies and anti-gravity anomalies that are wildly swinging at, at certain places around that area. Whether or not that's causing people to see things, who knows? Whether or not that's in conjunction with the paranormal already there, who knows? It's the strangest experience of my life. Uh, like, what did you, Joel, what did you come away thinking after that experience out there? You go into it wanting to see stuff and wanting to experience the high strangeness. And when you do, which has happened twice now, <laughs> all these trips, uh, it just validates, you know, a lot of what you feel already. Um, yeah, I, I love the native aspect so much. I mean, that was something that was, man, I, I knew that we were leaning towards that going into it. But obviously, you don't know how anything's going to play out when you get there because you're just going to kind of go with flow. And like you said, we sat in that coffee shop and we knew that was the direction. And I love that. But, I mean, I'm a government conspiracy guy in a lot of ways. And, you know, we won't give anything away for the film, but there was a lot of that that really uh, was extrapolated from the trip. So I, I was uh, I was jumping up and down. Um, very similar to when Tony's, like, whole system <laughs> broke and he had to buy uh, new, new equipment. Very, very similar, very similar to that. Uh, uh, it's just building me, you know, more and more to get ready for the next trip. It's like these better way to say it, yeah. dopamine highs that you go on when when you when you get all these trips because we're we're doing what we love doing and what we talk about anyway, and we are finding all these things that are validating what we already know, what we already think, you know, it's, it's like we always say when we have our zoom calls together and, you know, we feel like we're doing, you know, the right thing and, and, and helping others become aware of not just this sky phenomenon that that that's really big on the on the skinwalker shows and all that it's it's in in the scientific aspect of it which is a part of it but there's more to it there's the paranormal there's there's deep government conspiracies that are intertwined throughout the whole thing and to me when i left the trip <clears throat> i felt like again i was validated with how i've been feeling you know for years and, you know, I'm experiencing what I've already thought. And I know I've been on two trips with you now, and I feel like that we've both had these experiences that, man, we're always going to remember these. Like, And not only that, it, it, it just builds this it's building our minds toward this conclusion that we that we know that the world is a is a bigger more vast place than we could even that even we could imagine even though we know that already going into it yeah the the governmental ties and covert project ties to that specific area even possibly one of these ranches itself is a side that's vastly understudied i mean there were mm. 
like there was government interest in uh, the place that we went to after we left. You know, what is the interest in that place? How does that play a role in trying to figure out what's going on? I will say that like some of the research that I did um, after we stopped filming, we thought we were going to spend another six months tracking down some of these covert leads. And we found so much that, that we are withholding quite a bit in this and giving it its own docuseries mm. that piggybacks off of what happens out there and connects it to other locations. But it's it's there. Which Christian will blow out the water too. And so <laughs> you wonder why these covert activities always seem to linger around these places. Is it inducing things? You know, is is this some sort of psychological warfare testing? Is it some sort of man-made testing that's causing hallucinations as a side effect? Is it um, they know that what if there's some natural phenomenon there that makes it much easier for the paranormal to manifest itself? Could that natural phenomenon also be used for aerospace testing? Could it be used for aerospace construction? This is stuff that has never been looked into. People always want to go out in a field and, and film the sky. They don't dig into the history books. They don't dig into a lot of times publicly accessible records yeah. and start connecting things. I think there's an option here that may put most, if not all, of these experiences into one, into one solution that I don't know if anyone's been able to dig up yet. I think some people have gotten close, and that's why a lot of this attention around the ranch has sprung up in recent years. Because when someone gets close, the easiest <laughs> way to get around it is to immediately try to control the opinion, public opinion around the ranch again. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of times where it may not even be threatening. People always talk about, you know, there's men in black and they'll always threaten you to be quiet if you're on the trail of something. I think no one, I, I think from a covert perspective, no one would care if you have the right answers if they control who believes you or not. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, good luck from our perspective. Good luck trying to compete with a a machine that can control the entire public opinion of this place, uh, in millions of people. And I mean, I'm not just talking about the the secret of Skinwalker Ranch TV show. I've got friends that work on it. I worked with the exact same production company on a treasure hunting show. Um. But it, it, it brings up some really interesting questions in, in why things get popular when they do, why certain people are excluded from the narrative, mm -hmm. um, why charisma is kind of a lot more important for putting people in situations of being seen as experts in things like this. One, I don't know how you can be an expert in the paranormal when none of us can prove it. Yeah. <laughs> How do you define that? Is it? It's like Nephilim experts, it right? Spent out in the like field? we just literally. Hey, for, listen. We were just on a podcast. Uh, Illuminati confirmed uh, with Mark from My Family Thinks uh, I'm Crazy and Juan, 
And I said Nephilim expert, and he's like, what makes one a Nephilim expert? And I was like, well, that's just a term I've used it because you do a lot about him. I was like, it's not really – you can't be a Nephilim expert. I guess you could be in a historical way, but very similar to what you just yeah. said. Like you may know – you may have gra- grasped a lot of knowledge from all over about a certain topic, but it's like you said, the paranormal – like people say they're a paranormal expert. What what makes you – what yeah, changes I mean, everything is branding, like, really. right? Like <laughs> if we brand yeah. things and put it out there and, and not only give them factual evidence but like make it – uh, entertaining, you know, like if somebody might have a lot of information, but if they do it very boringly, it's going to not hold people's attention. So I think one of the best ways to fight back is being entertaining. And here's an idea, you know, maybe it's an interdimensional truck stop. You know what I mean? Like, there you go right there. They're like, whoa, interdimensional truck stop. And I'm about to check this out. Everyone knows what truck stop is interdimensional. Boom. You binks it together. Bam. We got something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, um, uh, who did I see earlier? They, they described, I think they're like lower third or they were describing themselves on social media as a Bigfoot expert. And I was like, man, we've brought in the same amount of bodies. You know, <laughs> what, what have you gained to, to be able to call yourself that? Um, right. It, it's just really interesting. And there's a, I mean, there's a lot of money in the paranormal Yeah. with trying to gain oh, yeah. interest from people, trying to become a brand yourself, trying to control public perspective. And a lot of it may even be, I mean, information warfare in a sense. Sure. It, it may not even come from government. It may come from just idiots who want the masses to believe what they personally believe. Their convictions uh, control what all these people are going to believe. Um I don't even know where I was going. But with I think this. that like it changes it like with you being genuine, you know, like entertainment is is a good point. But then making it genuine and not forcing any of our thoughts or ideas. We're not nothing. I think that you're doing, I'm doing, Joel's doing. Most of the people we know are doing is like, hey, this is it. Listen, this is the answer. We're like, hey, man, this is kind of what I think. This is what I came up with. Here's some stuff that I got here. Look at it. Look it over. What do you think? And I think that's the best approach because we're not forcing any ideas onto anybody. And, and then they feel better about it because they get to think it over themselves and be like, I'm I'm making my own decision. I'm creating my own thoughts. And plus, that's what we want. We want to create critical thinkers, open minded, critical thinking. We don't want it to be like, hey, this is what I said. That's what's the only thing that's real, because then it, it's all perspective because when you hear one foot, uh, Bigfoot expert and then another one, there's sometimes they're conflicting. And especially when they're like really uh, uh, put their foot on the, you know, that line in the sand, like, nope, it's only this. This is all it can be. I, to me, that's a that's I'm gonna turn away, man. If they're not going to listen to like when we had Gary Wayne, I thought it was really interesting that I was able to ask a lot of questions and he wasn't like, oh. Like, you know, and that guy has been writing a lot of books and getting, he was like, oh yeah, like he was almost, it looked like he was very happy that people were asking him questions that he maybe he hadn't heard or that made him, and he was, I mean, he was on point, but he didn't really get, it's not that expert mentality where they're like, I got to figure it out, bro. You know what I mean? I know you don't. And I think that's what's ruining a lot of things. And like you said, it's not always some like government agency or maybe even a fallen angel. A lot of times it's just some guy that's trying to make a buck. So he has to make you believe that he knows everything, you know, like <laughs> I know all I'm the only one. And you're like, what were you fucking a Bigfoot? You know what I mean? Like maybe if you're sleeping with a Bigfoot, you might have some more information <laughs> than I have. But at this point, I'm going to say you don't. 
I hope that's not what was in the woods looking at me, man, when I was standing in front of those trees, man. Man, maybe it went, maybe maybe I was looking like Tasty in a different Give me that chunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think the film that I'm working on now um, with our experiences just south of Skinwalker Ranch, it dangles a lot of pieces out there. There are pieces where if people want to connect, I'll throw 90% of the information out there we obviously are not going to say this is because of this, so believe this. We will just mm-hmm. present pieces. If you want to connect those two, fine. If you, in your mind, connect those to something else, great. But we went out there with all this information, um, or we got all this information, and I, it just feels like it's the right time to put it out there. Encourage critical thought. If this is something that goes against what you thought of the ranch, Great. Maybe you maybe you'll change your perspectives on th- on certain things. Maybe it won't, but it will be interesting to look back to. I would love for someone to say to look at the film and say they enjoyed it. It was entertaining, but we didn't do enough to change their minds on this. That's fine. My mind isn't, you know, wanting to create propaganda. Yeah. I just want to encourage thought. I want to tell interesting stories. You know, we're in a really interesting and like we're in a wonderful position where our last few trips, our last few projects have been taking stories that would not have gotten out otherwise and giving them a platform to share those. Um, And it's real, man. It's real. Like Dogman was so good to me because it was real. It wasn't like, oh, like like, I know these big productions and they're different. Right. And but it. It was real. It was like like I was telling Joe, it was like that gorilla, that gorilla documentary style where we're like, hey man, we're just gonna grab a camera. We're we're just a bunch of dudes, the homies that are gonna be out there. We're gonna see what we could find and not like trying to uh animate and make something happen, you know? Naturally just let mm-hmm. the course of what's going to happen happen. And and that's the best to me. And you can tell in the Dogman film, me personally, when I watched it, that that comes through the genuineness. That's what I liked about it. That's what I told Joe. I was like, I like the like, you know, you could tell that you guys were bonding together and, and, and you're on an experience that I like that aspect of it because I think it makes it real. And that's really what happened. And me knowing to Joel and talking to him, like, and getting it to talk to him after I watched it, I was like, yeah, so it, I was right. You know, it was a genuine, cool experience with a, a bunch of dudes that were like, Hey man, hopefully we see a dog, man. And if we do, Joel's going to shoot him. And, uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. There's an element of that in this too. Um, just going out, whatever happens, mm-hmm. happens. Uh, not trying to cover anything up, not trying to force anything. We definitely did not have to force anything. <laughs> I, I mean, when Joseph and I got out there, no. stuff's no. going on. I think we called... Uh, Joel, you were in a car with Tony, Jack, and Ward, and uh, you probably got several yeah. calls that day, and each one of them got weirder. <laughs> we were giving you guys updates. This happened. 20 minutes later, you get a call. Yes. We're like, you're not going to believe this. And I mean... Yeah, yeah That's all the yeah, way yeah. there. I, even I got mean, there, you man. wrote a song about how long it took <laughs> to get to Utah, so I know you were dying. <laughs> 30 hours! The, the, the first day. Um, man, talk about what was it like sleeping out there? Did you have trouble that first night? No, I, man, I honestly don't have trouble sleeping too much. Uh, it, it was tough, man. Well, I'll say 
the first night it was a little tough for me because I didn't have that pad that I got the second <laughs> oh, day. Yeah. So like rocks were digging through my spinal column most of the night and it was cold. So here's the thing. It was summer, but it was fucking cold. Like we get there and I'm talking about the first few nights. It was like 40 something degrees out in Utah, man. It was cold. But then like the day would be warmer, but then at night it would just get stupid mm-hmm. cold. And then we're at night trying to track stuff down. And it was it was a little I don't know, like it it was weird weather when we were in um in uh Kentucky too cuz it was real wet and there was a lot of like you know it it wasn't like ideal either so and i know like the next one and i'm not telling anybody where we're going on the next one the next one's going to be really crazy and the weather's probably <laughs> going to be the, probably the worst we've had <laughs> since, since since we started so it, I, I think it, it's progressively getting worse but utah shouldn't have been that cold matter of fact the day we were leaving it instantly was like a hundred degrees out of nowhere. And I'm like, why couldn't it have been this the whole time we were here? But it was odd. And even even uh Bo, uh one of the guys um that we talked to on the trip, um, he's one of the Native Americans, and you'll see him on the film, and he actually produced one of the tracks for uh the documentary soundtrack that i did too so guys super talented but even he said it was weird because right before we got there it was stupid hot we get there it gets super cold for the days that we're there and and the day we're leaving it gets the wind oh my god the wind was nuts nuts so yeah we were having trouble with cameras we couldn't even get any audio half the time out there uh, there, like, there was a an equipment shed out there and a and a container, and we were having to hide behind it and try to do all these interviews. So half of these interviews take place in the same like nook in between this container and the shed because that's the only windbreak we could get. It, it was tough. It was challenging. We we're up on top of a hill. It, we've got a complete view of uh, Skinwalker Ranch. It was really interesting. We had a, a really nice spot to watch the sky at night. There was one night, I think the first night you guys were there, weren't even there for four or five hours. Uh, the event happens with Tony and Ward, probably the creepiest event yeah. out there. As soon as they start showing all of us, I think it was me who yells to look up and we saw all this yeah. stuff in the sky that we have no explanation for. It can't be satellites if it's going in multiple directions. Uh we saw stuff in the sky. We all heard stuff. Was it you and Jack that, like, Jack had heard you say something? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and it wasn't me. Yeah, I, there's there's so much that happened, especially during that stretch of time. And we'll be real careful what we say, but he is right. Like, what we... We've got all of it. We've got so it all, man. Everybody know, like, what... <laughs> Christian's talking about I haven't even told you it's yet. going to be on film. We've got an orb in some of your footage. We've got orbs in a lot of this footage, and it almost seems like I don't want to say a lot of it's ruined. Uh, we just got weird, weird stuff. And so I want everything to look clean. Right. Half of this looks like there's stuff floating around people. Even in an interview we did in 
I think it was in West Virginia that Ward did. We've got an orb in that. We've got something going across this guy as he's saying, I think he's saying the words not fully human. And this black object goes right in front of him and, and, and down the hall. Larger than a fly. If you brighten the footage, I can see every single frame of this thing going by. You've got an orb that looks like it's going right in front of your mouth as you're talking about the um, tracks out there. I can reference anything within the trailer, mm -hmm. um, but we found some tracks. You're talking about the, the shape of the tracks, what you thought they were. There's this white object. You're inside the tent. There's no wind in there. I don't know why anything would be blowing. It goes in front of you, and it goes straight up. It's what you sent yeah. me in the group. There's also the group. an EVP. Yeah, it's I've, nuts. I've heard two EVPs of things being whispered right now. During that EVP, it sounds like someone whispers the word cabal, C-A-B-A-L. That is what I'm hearing. As you are speaking, it sounds like the word cabal <laughs> is being whispered. Also, there's another one. Oh, I'm sure it did when I was where, talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, hate to, I hate to say that word. I hate to sound cheesy or something, but that is the... I don't know how you yeah. can hear anything different. I'll send you the audio. Um, yeah. There's another one where we were talking to a neighbor, and I know for a fact that it was just myself with a camera, and I've got this boom mic shot at this guy it shouldn't unless you're speaking it shouldn't pick up a whisper this thing is very directional you know even like this is a sure i think sm7b or whatever they're called if i point it this way and i start whispering it's not going to pick something up so how's how's a boom right. mic with this 30 40 mile per hour wind out there when we're filming going to pick up a whisper yeah. behind it Especially the design of like uh, dynamic yeah. mics, like you said, like the the it's not all the way around like a, a, a traditional like a, a studio mic, a condenser mic is a lot different. Where you have it's all the way around. This is strictly on like going to wherever you aim it at. That's where you're gonna get the sound. Yeah, I, right before you know we started doing this, I was listening to this, and you can hear whispered, "That's crazy," or like, "Wow, that's crazy," and I'm thinking back. I didn't think anything of it at first. And then I remembered we were the only three out there filming this. I know for a fact we were the only three filming this. And it's not Joseph whispering. It's not mm. that. It sounds feminine. There was not a woman out there with us. <sighs> I don't know who whispered. It's one of those weird things like it was a spirit or something. Why would it be saying, mm. wow, that's crazy? You know, why would, why would this ghost be talking like a, a teenager? Yeah. It's weird. Right. And why is there such an obvious whisper when you're talking? You can tell it's an obvious whisper. It's not like TV shows where they hear something. You can't understand what they're saying. They throw captions up on the screen to make you try to hear it. Mm -hmm. Like it is hearing this word and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know whether to acknowledge it, whether to discuss it after, um, there's just weird stuff. We all heard strange. What did Tony say? I don't even. I don't think I've I've shown him either of these yet. We've Ward's and his footage in today. <laughs> We've got weird noises in Ward's footage. Um, <laughs> you have Tony freaking out. Man. <laughs> Speaking of weird stuff, what about studio, like uh, when you guys were out? Well, when you were out there recently, what were you out there two weeks ago now? Like uh, when you went to do the Portal Babies episode uh, to Tennessee. No, no, I'm saying you. He's still the, there. You yeah. went out there too in the Airbnb incident, like where like uh, 
the uh, I'll let you tell it, man, because I wasn't there. I just, I mean, I heard the story, but uh, I think it'd be something that we should acknowledge a little bit what's going on over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I didn't know what these guys were coming down for. Tony just told me day of four podcasts are coming in, and I go, okay, great. I'll clean up the studio a little bit, um, and we'll get ready. I knew Joel was coming in. Joel and I had spent some time before uh, in the studio that day. Tony and I were heading home. It's going to be a normal night. We get a, I think you were texting Tony and you said the power. Yeah, I started by texting. Uh, I tried to call him too because that's all the weird stuff was going down when the, uh, I had a, we, well, Sean and I had a date with, L.A. Marzulli, and he was going to come on the show and talk, and that's when all the like right before too, because it was literally because we um, you we you called me what twenty minutes, thirty minutes tops right before we we're going to do the episode, just like hey da da da, talk to L.A. We're going to get everything going. You good? Blah blah blah. All right, we're good. All right, I start setting everything up, and boom. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Uh, it all happened at the same time. There was also another podcaster there who had the power go out at his house like in the same minute that the power went out yeah yeah i don't know if i told you about that sean back back in ohio upper upper ohio so the same minute that it shut down here he got a notice on his phone because it, it'll alert him if like yeah his power outage or something or or it just goes down Who, uh, it alerted Justin? him on his phone it went down oh jay We're okay, talking okay jay. Three, jay yeah Jay's power wow. went out at the exact same time. That happened. Tony finally had an experience that night uh, with the white light. Yeah, we both did. saw it, and I yeah. didn't acknowledge it until he brought it back up later. And I go, oh, you, you saw that too, 30 minutes ago? And we pointed at the same spot. We saw the same thing. We saw the same movement. As you could probably tell, this audio is a little choppy on this episode. We had some technical difficulties, which have been arising lately with certain topics that we're bringing up. So just wanted to apologize for that. Uh, we didn't get to get the full interview because for some reason it didn't record on our backups or anything. So, you know, we got past episodes that you could uh, check out if you want to hear more about that with like the portal babies and stuff like that. But don't forget, you can check us out at Kill the Mockingbirds podcast on Instagram, Vantessa Music on Instagram, Sean Chris Music on Instagram, Sean Chris, Joel Thomas on all music platforms. And uh, we appreciate y'all. Got some fire episodes to end the year out. And uh, yeah, I mean, these things happen sometimes. I guess they don't want us talking about certain stuff. It's really weird. But uh, we're going to keep pushing. Appreciate y'all. You know how we do it here. Wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. All right, we out. Bird killers!
Mountains in the distant scene Trouble seems to follow 